Welcome to the Word Up Podcast, where we discuss all things tech in Israel from the perspective of a technical writer. Doesn't sound interesting? Well, you can go ahead and leave. Just kidding. Stick around because I think I'm going to make a very compelling case why you should care about technical writing. Last episode, we discussed how to be realistic when hiring a technical writer, sort of about the role, um, and what makes a qualified candidate. This episode, we're going to discuss a little bit more about the recruitment process. Since technical writers are generally the odd bunch of any organization, recruitment is generally left to either outsource companies or the heads of engineering or product teams. We're going to discuss why professional recruiters and the HR team should absolutely be involved in the recruiting, interviewing, and portfolio evaluation process. Uh, So in short, I'm going to explain how to treat the technical writing role as any other role in your organization, and we'll even touch a little bit about the onboarding process. I also believe on the employer side of things, we have a broken recruitment process. Now, Recruiters have an incredibly hard job. In the beginning when I started working with recruiters or the HR team, um, not that I didn't respect them. I've always respected the people. I just didn't understand. I said, well, why not just put it out, put the job description out, and get, and, you know, get the CVs, and how hard can it be? It's extremely hard. Um, and recruiters are so important to the entire process. Uh, building, the, building the teams, uh, you know, all the various teams at a company, But when it comes to technical writers, let's be honest. If you're a technical writer and you're listening to this, look in the mirror, look yourself in the eyes and say, what I'm about to hear next is true. We are an odd bunch. Okay, we are an odd bunch. We don't fit into, you know, when a recruiter, especially technical recruiters, are given the job, find a technical writer. Well, we are an odd bunch. We're not always the most social people or, um, you know, being native English speakers, uh, myself, my Hebrew is not great. So when you go in, most of them are, are, are not used to interviewing in English. So I think there's a bit of a broken recruitment process. Um, and we need to improve that on the, on the uh, company side. So what I want to do, and hopefully some recruiters are listening here, how can we improve the recruitment process so we find better candidates or don't weed out candidates that might actually be a good fit. So number one, let's start with a realistic job description. And as a recruiter, you should be making sure that your hiring manager or the or the startup founder, whoever it is, is giving you a realistic job description. Okay, because if you're looking for four different people to do a single job, you're looking for one person to do four separate jobs, it's, not, it's going to start off poorly. Okay, just a, a, little, a little free piece of advice. So make sure as a recruiter, you are actually recruiting for the right position, not five different positions. Okay? Um, I would say the most important thing to improve in our recruitment process is to clearly define what a cultural fit is. Okay, I have seen it. We talked about this a bit before, and we'll get into this more in depth in, in an entire podcast I think obviously, you know, uh, silly indicators are things that are meaningless, uh, you know, like, uh, like, um, like age and things like this. It doesn't matter, right? Any, any age can, be, can, can fit in culturally. What you want to find is someone who is, you don't want to weed out people who don't fit the developer role, right? Like the, like the, the personality or the type that you're looking for in terms of, um, uh, a developer or maybe someone in DevOps or something like that, you're looking for someone different. So let's define what 
a technical writer should fit in culturally, right? Make sure you understand that that we're a bit different, we're a bit odd, um, and and account for that, right? Like just like any uh, any wonderful diverse team, everyone's a little bit different, everyone looks a little different, everyone has different talents, and and try to understand the technical writer a little bit more. Okay, just we're, we're an odd bunch, so work with us. Um, a couple of things to look out for in the recruitment process because no one really, especially it's at, at early stage startups. No one understands a technical writer. What should we be looking for from them? Who's going to be judging their work? Who's going to be looking at at, at um, portfolios? Should we ask them about tools? So I think that currently the recruitment process, because it's misunderstood for technical writing, concentrates way too heavily on tools. As soon as the con- conversation goes to, well, we should use this, we should write in this, we should do that. That's the wrong idea, right? Any good technical writer and the people you're hopefully recruiting for will be able to learn any tool, okay? Just like when you hire a developer, if they've been writing in Python for the last four years and you write in Go, you're not going to tell them no. You'll say, okay, part of the onboarding processes will teach you the new language and you'll learn how we are our code standards. Fine. The same should be with technical writing. No matter what, if you want to, if you want to write in a Word, a Google, Google uh, Doc, fine. If you want to write in Markdown, fine. Anyone can learn. Any good writer can learn these things uh, within a couple of days, even if it's something more heavy, like writing in XML and one of these, um, one of these very heavy documentation tools. Anyone can learn it. Okay, so I wouldn't concentrate too much on that. And once the conversation goes there, you, you, you're taking away from what you really should be checking for in this recruitment process. We need to concentrate on product skills. I would define a successful recruitment process, an interview, in terms of when they look at this product or our product type, what should they be able to understand? What do we want to check for? What skill set should, should they, what's the minimum skill set required in terms of product and product knowledge that they should have? Okay, let's start taking a look at it like that. Also, um, most times, uh, we should have a portfolio to hand over. If we don't have a portfolio, portfolio, there may be a couple of reasons. One might be because the documentation that we write is behind uh, a login in private. That's a totally legitimate thing. Um, sometimes uh, it was written, uh, we wrote it three years ago, and then we say, well, it was handed off to someone else. I can't, I can't validate the changes, this or that. That's fine. You can always do a writing test, but just make sure that the writing test is actually checking for uh, what they need to do. You know, some sort of silly editing test or something silly that doesn't actually judge it. It's just going to be annoyed. Uh, Again, I will never, in this podcast, I will almost never name company names. I had interviewed at a place um, about a year ago, and I was given a test in in, in the interview to sit down. I was given an hour to do it. Now, uh, it was for API documentation. That was one of the specialties and something that I happened to to know quite well. And uh, we ran out, ran out of time. And, and, and they said, do you want to finish? And I said, no, I, I don't. Because I gave you, I'm giving examples. I know how to do it. I've given, I give a course on this uh, privately. I teach, uh, I teach API writing. I, I don't think it's a good use of my time to sit here writing it. And I knew that it wasn't a good fit. So could they have done a better job? Probably, uh, you know, to, if they wanted to test, that's fine. Make it on something very specific, but to do an hour long sit down test after an hour long interview, um, testing on something that I've already had a specialty on and give a course on. I just thought it was sort of meaningless myself. When I'm, when I'm recruiting, 
someone who has the requisite level of experience, if I look at their LinkedIn profile and they have the they have experience and they can give me a writing sample, um, I check with their with their um, references. I do not give a writing test. Um, I've also had cases where people have taken the writing test, you know, at home and 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 had other people complete it. So let's be very specific with what we want to get out of uh, of the interview and the and the recruitment process. Okay, the. So I think that pretty much sums it up for for the the company's end of things, right? We talked about the unrealistic expectations um, of hiring managers of, uh, of of founders that make sure your hiring uh, your hiring expectations are realistic. If you're if you need four four different types of writers, then hire four different types of writers. If you're going for a full stack writer and that's what you're looking for, you're going. In my opinion, this is why there are so many open positions. It's very rare. Um, and even for the people that do it, it's, it's, uh, high stress. Um, it's a very, very, it's a very difficult thing to do. I've done it before. It's very difficult. So those positions might stay open, uh, longer than you hope. So why do, why are candidates unqualified, right? Why are they getting rejected from these positions? There's so many open positions, so many writers. So why, why, why can't we fill them? I, I think some of the blame also rests on uh, the candidates. Now, when I got into technical writing, I had no business doing so. Okay, I was an English literature major. Uh, you know, I wrote speeches, uh, did all types of writing, but I had zero technology background. Zero. When I say zero, let's be honest. I'll be honest with you. Okay, close the door. I'm gonna tell you a secret. I didn't know what a server was. Now, why? What kind of chutzpah is it for me to think? Ah, oh, yeah, sure. I should go into a field where I don't understand the first thing about it. This would be the same as me saying, I want to be a chef, but I don't know what a vegetable is. I don't know what a fruit is. I don't know what beef or chicken are. That was the equivalent. I was lucky enough to find someone who was willing to train me in, this, in, in, in technical writing and the technology. And I did a whole lot of homework at home. Off time, you know, off time uh, I would be just learning, learning, learning. Um, but I don't see that same drive from candidates, especially newer, newer uh, writers, or also older writers willing, looking to increase their technical uh, skill set um, because their value previously had been in, in being an actual writer. I think ongoing development learning, like developmental learning, especially in technical areas, is critical. The products today are technical. They are intended for a technical audience. The end users of these are very, are very like we said before, more and more, they're developers, they are DevOps engineers, um, or, or someone in, in, in QA that's running, that's checking code. The point is that the, some fault rests with the candidates. With you, I'm sorry, but it does. Okay, we're not CEOs. English is not enough anymore. English is not enough. We need to be closer, more closer, uh, re- closely resemble QA engineers than we do uh, English teachers, okay? Also... Being a developer is not enough. So when I, I speak with people and they say, well, I'm a developer, I understand. Okay, show me a piece of writing. Most of the time, it's not sufficient. It's wonderful. Everyone is looking for, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, gold, the, the lost golden city, the Timbuktu of technical writing as someone who has a, who's a previous life as a developer and they're an excellent writer and they know how to take screenshots and make videos. Okay, it doesn't exist. Okay, no one's found it. doesn't really exist. Being a developer is wonderful, but in that case, you have to hone your skills as a writer. 
Okay, there's no reason these days with Grammarly, with other, with other, you know, um, spell check, grammar checks, to ever hand in a writing sample or give, uh, or do some sort of writing where there are grammatical errors. Um, and we're not talking about, you know, silly ones like ending ending a, a sentence in a preposition. I don't care about that anymore these days as a hiring manager. I mean, actual, you know, underline, red underline squiggly lines under a word because it's spelled wrong. There's no reason for that. Um, you need a basic level of grammar. And so I think the developer candidates that are developers that want to get into technical writing need to do a better job of honing their writing skills, just like people with an English background need to do a better job of honing their technical skills. It's not enough to say, I'm a native English speaker, I live in Israel, there are lots of open jobs, therefore I'm going to go for it. It's not that. The, what's, what's required of technical writers today is a, is a much more technical background, because not because, obviously it helps understand the product, but because we need to understand our end users, and the end users are increasingly technical people. Okay. I think uh, another difficulty when we're trying to bring on a technical writer, uh, especially uh, in, in early stage startups, and I talk about this a lot because early stage startups is, uh, is, is a natural home. I love it. I love the chaos and the fast pace of, of the startup world. So, and, you know, enterprise uh, organizations have their place also. I, I just find it much more exciting uh, personally, uh, personality-wise, uh, to, to, uh, to be one of these people we're talking about, these full, the full-stack writers and go in early stage and, 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 uh, and take over every role, as opposed to just sitting on uh, a writing team and have one or two features every release. Um, so this is what we're talking about in, in terms of why I'm primarily talking about um, startups. We don't have a natural team. On the one hand, we should be on an engineering team. We should be part of engineering. We are documenting the, the products that they're developing, right? So we should be closely in line with them. But then another argument we made can and is made quite often, you're part of the product team. Why are you part of the product team? Because you're writing and is more aligned with what uh, an end user needs, right? So, so how is the product being developed? What, do, uh, what are the product requirements? Where is it coming in from the field? How is it going to be communicated? Um, especially when you add UX writing into there. So you're, you're embedded in the product development um, uh, increasingly uh, than you, especially in early stage startup, more and more you're going to be part of the product team. Then the question is, well, why not just sit on your own? And now this is an awful idea. Not in every case, obviously, nothing is 100%. But if you have a technical writing team or a knowledge team sitting completely by themselves, you, they will, it creates a silo that is really unnecessary. Um, they're, going, they're not going to be connected to any other team. Um, they're going to work more in a bubble. And, and this is a very dangerous thing because then there's a disconnect between product, engineering, writing, you want to create as many connections as possible. Okay, so even if you are part of the product team, go sit with the engineering team. Pop, take, take out your laptop, put it next in, in the engineering room, and sit there for a couple of days. Move around a bit. But, you know, it's what I call the, uh, the ugly, dugly, ugly duckling syndrome. We don't have a natural fit anywhere, yet we're needed everywhere. You need to speak with engineers. You need to speak with with PMs, uh, you need to speak with the field. You need to speak. You need to speak with everyone as a, as a technical writer, especially as a lone writer in a in a startup. So, 
do yourself a favor and attach yourself to a team, but make sure that it's encouraged that you sit with everyone, you work with everyone on, on a daily basis, right? You don't want to silo the technical writers. The final thing I want to discuss on why I think there's uh, unqualified candidates or why, why companies think they're unqualified candidates. It's what I call, you know, a tale of two cities, old, old Dickens uh, reference. The, we have an older and outdated management in the technical writing world, these are people that have been around for a very long time. They did an amazing job, but, but the, the, the industry has shifted. The industry has changed. Okay, it's, it's true. We, the, the, the companies that are looking to hire these full-stack writers, they move much quicker. There are less processes. We need to, we need to sometimes sacrifice quality for quantity and speed. Um, and this is what the management this is what the management uh, personality should look like, okay? Not the older, outdated what, when we have the image of a technical writer in our mind. We need to, we need to shift away from that. okay? We need to have a more nimble approach to writing, to worry less about a comma here, a comma there, and have and, and think more in terms of our users. English language is a beautiful, wonderful thing. But we need to separate between, uh, you know, Shakespeare and Dickens and in an app, the, how to, how to, writing instructions for how to use a product. We need to stay relevant, okay? Users don't care if we end the sentence in a preposition, okay? Should we use the Chicago style, this style, that style? Use whatever language you need in order to enable your users to quickly, simply, and successfully use your product. Let's concentrate on what's important. So I think that a lot of the qualified candidates that have the experience are lacking a modern mindset for documentation, documentation teams, and startups in general. Okay, so you know we've touched on this before, but how do we get more qualified candidates? Um, I think in the beginning, we need to assume that they're going to need professional development, just like we mentioned with the developer who doesn't, who is never written in the language that your, that your company uses. We need to assume the same about a writer, right? Okay, maybe they've documented something before. We need to invest. They, the, uh, writers should not really be writing any documentation for, I would even say, the first month. The first month. They should just be learning the product. Okay, there's no reason for a writer to jump in on day one and start writing something that they don't understand. And to assume that they're going to understand it from day one is wrong. To assume that they can write it from day one without understanding the product is wrong. Invest at least a month in just teaching the, the product, what the competitors are doing, the underlying technology behind it, the level of, the level of technical uh, ability of the end users that are going to be using it. Give full enough time to be able to, uh, for the writer to learn the product, to be able to properly document it. Let's give an example. I always compare it to uh, an airplane ride. If I were to ask you, right, and pretend you're someone who's never been on an airplane before ever, I ask you, please write for me what it's like to, to take off in a plane when it's raining out, and then what it's like to go through turbulence over the North Atlantic flying into Canada 
and dropping a several thousand feet within a matter of seconds in turbulence. And then tell me what it's like to land in Chicago with 50 mile an hour winds. Now, you can obviously figure out how to do that. You can interview the pilot. You can interview passengers that have been through it. You can even go and possibly look at an airplane doing all those things. But that, that documentation, you're right, right? That's the equivalent of documentation, is not going to be anywhere near the level of documentation for someone who has been in a plane that was taking off in the middle of a rainstorm, who dropped several thousand feet at a sing- within a few seconds over the North Atlantic, and someone who tried was in a plane that was landing in severe winds. The smells, the sounds, the fear, the emotions, everything, it gets captured when you have experienced it yourself. If we want our writers to become better, we have to assume that we are going to have to take the time to teach them the product, to teach them about the users, to get them in that the, the proverbial, the, in, not proverbial, but we have to invest the time to put them, uh, we have to invest the time, especially in the first month, to have them experience all those scenarios, right? To be able to properly do it, which means teach them the product, teach them everything that they need to know. Right now, that's not done. Onboarding is usually a day or two, and then we want them to jump in right away. I'll tell you, one job I had, I was asked on, I got my computer on day one, access to systems on day one. Day two, I was asked to write release notes, release notes for a release. And I said, but I I don't know the product. And the answer was, if you're a good writer, you should be able to write release notes regardless with the, with the notes that we provide. Okay. Um, sure, I wrote them. Were they as great as they could be? Absolutely not, because I didn't know the product. The other thing is, let's talk a bit more very quickly about full-stack writers. If you, uh, One of my favorite shows, uh, I will say, that I've watched episodes of is uh, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. Okay, now Gordon Ramsay would take a look at the menu and know that if there was several pages of a menu with, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 uh, different items, that the food wasn't going to be good. How did he know? Because the amount of resources and skills required to, main, to properly cook all those things on a daily basis when you're asked is virtually impossible. And generally, the immediate fix for the, for the restaurant you would see was he would, he would shorten the menu down to several that they could concentrate on and do well. It's the same thing with our job descriptions and the job expectations. If you require technical writing, hire a technical writer. If you require UX writing, hire a UX writer. Manage the expectations that, that you need and don't try to create too big of a menu when you're looking for a technical writer. So now it's time for the segment where we review a funny post on LinkedIn or a funny image. Um, I don't remember exactly where I got this one, but uh, I shared it out with my company, so I went back finding it. Uh, I'm not sure how real it is, but I think it's pretty funny. It's, uh, it's a newspaper clipping in the classified section. Back in the day, that's how you used to post jobs. And it says, surgeon wanted for a new health clinic opening in the area. No experience needed, must have own tools. Okay, so obviously this is hilarious, um, and it's very relevant to what we discussed um, to what we discussed earlier. How do you? What kind of job posting should you put? Uh, what do you need to put in the job posting in order to make it relevant to technical writers and to find uh, the best candidate for the position? Um, 
Uh, I think this is obviously an example of one that was not done correctly. So make sure your, your job posting for your writer doesn't look something like this. Okay, now it's time for time to retire. Okay, I can't believe I haven't covered this one earlier. The word we are going to retire, not just from tech, this one actually applies, I think, to all of society, is super. It's, it's super fast. It's super cool. It's super, let's get rid of the word super because I've actually heard now, and we have to retire this one also, it's gone to hyper because super is not good enough. So we've gone to hyper. I don't know what's going to come later, but we have to stop it. We don't have to speak in hyperbole. Let's just talk how we normally would and describe things and not put everything on a pedestal and build everything up and create all these expectations, super hyper, this, that. Let's just talk for real and describe things how they are. I think we'll be much better off. So thank you for joining us in this episode of the Word Up podcast. Uh, All of the information for contacting us will be in the description. Definitely send us questions, comments, what you liked, what you didn't like. And if you have any questions, we'll uh, anonymously, or if you don't want to be anonymous, however you prefer, uh, we'll go over those questions in the next episode.